With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Pick up a 12-pack today. Enjoy your HN Podcast, Miller and Dace coming to you from the Exile Brewing Company Studios. Thank you, Exile. Thank you to Heartland Flagpoles and Flags. Heartlandflags.com. Go there to get flags and other items from your favorite team. Those of you listening, likely Hawkeye fans, but you may like some uh, NFL teams or Major League Baseball teams as well. Heartland has your flags for those teams as well. Steve, let's dive into the uh, Big Ten week that was and also a few national games before we get done with this installment. Uh, Let's start uh, with Michigan. Michigan coming into a game Purdue team, a stadium that was banged out for the first time in a long time. And that first half, first two and a half quarters, a lot of feeling out going on. Um, Michigan loses their starting quarterback. Their replacement comes in. Looks like that gave them actually quite a bit of a spark. But to me, the biggest takeaway from the Michigan-Purdue game was Michigan's defense is still elite, even though we're talking about pretty much brand-new names at nearly every position. That defense is just, as my kids like to say, it's it's redonkulous. I mean, they they have they outscored they've outscored their opponents in the second half this year, eighty to fourteen. Purdue had ten yards, that was their total in the second half. Wow. Ten yards, minus one yard in the third quarter. Um, you look at what they did to Florida was Florida's fewest total yards in its last forty-five games. What they did to Cincinnati was its fewest total yards in one hundred and thirty-five games. What they did to Air Force was their second fewest total yards in 55 games. What they did to Purdue yesterday was its fewest yards in something like 68 games. And that's just crazy. I mean, that's just, that's nuts. And we talked in our previous podcast this week about how Iowa's offense, the position they kept putting the defense in. Well, you know, with Michigan's mercurial offense this year, to be kind, we'll use that word. They've been doing that to their defense, too, and it just really hasn't made much of a difference. The The first half was beyond disappointing. Many of the same mistakes we've seen the last two weeks in a row. Um, and I, I tweeted at halftime that I really thought if they didn't make any major adjustments that were successful, there's no way they were going to win. And I, and I thought that this second half against Purdue was going to say a lot for the trajectory of the season the rest of the way. Well, they come out, they go to a spread passing attack with John O'Corn. That was the um, off, that was the the offense he ran at Houston when he was the freshman of the year in the American four years ago. They come out, start throwing the ball to they they set they throw the ball to set up the run instead of trying to run into nine man fronts on first down, which they tried to do the last few weeks. 
O'Corn is able to make some athletic plays that Wilton Spate simply could not make. He's just not capable of. Outside the pocket, which sparked the offense. And in the second half, Michigan outgained Purdue 290 to 10. And they outscored him 21 to nothing. And I, I think, uh, particularly going into the bye week and given the youth of the team, I really think those second half adjustments that Michigan made are going to pay dividends a lot the rest of the way. If you can, I mean, they, they were three for three. Here, the, That whole game is this stat line right here Michigan's red zone offense, we talked about last week, three for three in the red zone, all touchdowns. Purdue 0 for 12 on third down conversions mm. in the game. That's it right then and there. So if Michigan can just be competent on offense, they could win every game on their schedule. I'm not saying they're going to, but they could. So hopefully with O'Corn, I don't think he's great either, but I think he provides a level F athleticism that just gives Michigan more margin for error than you have with Wilton Spate back there. Nebraska 27, Rutgers 17. I watched most of that game. I will say that Nebraska's defense has actually played pretty well. I know you had a morbid fascination with that game. (laughs) Oh, yes, I did. (laughs) I think you tweeted about that game more than any other game this weekend other than Iowa, I think. Oh, oh, there's no question. There's no question. My second favorite team is whoever's playing Nebraska right about now. Um, Nebraska's defense has actually played pretty well the last couple of weeks, but man, Tanner Lee, there was so much hype about this kid in the offseason, not and not just from the world's largest Nebraska fans, aka their media, but it was from people outside, you know, Mel right. Kuyper's big board, and you're into that more than I am. Yeah. He 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 just has not played well. And yeah, they they beat Rutgers. They had to come back uh, in the second half to beat Rutgers, and they get Illinois next week. So, you know, that's good for them. But, boy, this they, they certainly haven't convinced me yet. Well, two more interceptions. He's got nine now. He's got nine interceptions. And, yeah, the defense has played better, but look at the opposition. Like I said last week, Northern Illinois is not the Northern Illinois we are used to seeing, going back to Joe Novak and Jerry Kill's teams. Um, you know, even the teams that Dave Doran had at Northern Illinois, the guy who's now the coach at NC State, you know, these were teams that could get ranked in the top 25. Northern Illinois is a team that won 6th record in its last 17 games. So that's pretty mediocre. Uh, you look at Rutgers. I think we all were well aware of, you know, how a mediocre is an upgrade for Rutgers offensively, given where their program is at. So, yeah, I mean, the defense, I guess, has played better, but you got to look at it's relative to the competition they faced. And I, I think it's, you know, it's I, I listened to, after Thursday, you and I, our game prediction podcast, I listened to some more of the uh, presser at Nebraska on Friday with the new chancellor. Mm-hmm. And key sentence that he said there is, this is not about Mike Riley right now. That's a direct quote. That's exactly what he said. So... You can't help but notice, I'm sure you're. this is what you're going to ask me about next anyway, since you're the master of the segue. You can't help but notice the same week this goes down at Nebraska, and I've been calling this for the last two years now. The same week this goes down at Nebraska, favorite son, Scott Frost, takes a Central Florida team that hasn't played a game in three weeks because of hurricanes, goes up to Maryland, and houses them in their own crib. Okay. And the, the, the juxtaposition of those two events, I'm sure, has dawned on pretty much everybody um, in the 402 area code. 
There's no doubt. And you're right. You just totally, you know, peed all over my, my segue into the Maryland game. I mean, what what else am I going to talk about with Maryland? You ruined it, but you know, really. Well, was, they also this they lost well, another quarterback. You just you now you've ruined it twice. That was my next thing. Um, am I tripping on your phallus here? I'm sorry. Now now, whoa, Max uh, Bortenschlager is now the new quarterback for uh, Maryland. You really had to dive in your depth chart for that one. No doubt, because John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt was he's not available. Yeah, yes. he, he's hurt and unavailable for this game. So yes, you know. It, and we've just spent as much on Maryland as I'm sorry. I, I think that they were cute for a while, but you know, I, I you think know what's that, funny is we sat there, oh that Vegas three and a half over, no way, no way. Of course they're going to hit that. Well, yeah. if if uh, Mr. Smorgasbord from the Muppets is your quarterback the rest of the year, <laughs> they may not get over that three and a half, John. They may not. Well, let's do All it. Right? They're at Minnesota next week. That's going to be tough. That's a loss. That's at, a loss. At Ohio State. Well, I think we know that's a loss. Home against Northwestern. Toss-up. At Wisconsin. I think we know that's a loss. Home against Indiana. Toss-up. Rutgers at home. I would say toss-up if John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt's your quarterback. Yeah, they, had, they had better get it done by then because their last three are home against Michigan, at Michigan State, and home against Penn State. Yeah, yeah. So have they said if Kasim Hill, if he's done for the year two? Have they said I, have, I, have not, uh, I have not seen that if they have. But, you know, I was talking with some, well, I guess I was talking to myself. I, you know, I actually texted with some real Nebraska. I got three good friends from church that are Nebraska fans, and I tell them just don't follow me on Twitter and we'll get along fine. Um, <laughs> I've really legit told them that. One of them couldn't resist, and he was pissed. I'm at actually me for telling week. my own listeners that right about now, but that's a topic <laughs> for another day, okay? Um, <laughs> what, what, what about Navy's coach? I think you know what I think. All right, I have been, I have been saying again for years. What's weird? I seem to be really dialed into Nebraska. I wish I knew as much about every other team. Remember that one caller? Yeah, that one caller yeah. that called in that was just trashing all over Iowa and Iowa State. And you're yep. like, and you're like, go Huskers. He's like, hey, thanks. And you, 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 you sniffed him. That. Yes. You sniffed him from a mile away. Yes. <laughs> I remember a listener back when I used to wear five X and six X T-shirts. A listener actually brought me out a T-shirt, which now, as I look back on it, would probably be considered a drape. Uh, but he brought me a T-shirt that he had printed up for me and said, "Whether you're a Hawkeye or Cyclone, the one thing all Iowans agree is Nebraska sucks." Okay, so <laughs> there you go. But. Um, I think they need to return to that. They need a they they need a niche, John. If they're going to remain in this league without a natural recruiting base, then they're going to have to have a niche, and 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 they've got to have a hook. I think running a triple option. Look at look at what Paul Johnson has done at Georgia Tech. He's won ACC championships doing it that way. He's played in BCS bowl games, playing doing it that way in a major league. I think I think. That gives you the chance to find Tommy Frazier and Brooks Berenger and Jerry Godowski and Steve Taylor. I can't believe I just named like all those Nebraska quarterbacks of old. But that gives you a chance, Jerry Taggy. You can find those guys now running that offense. More than ever before. More than ever before because almost nobody else is. And, no, and there's nobody in this region of the country running that offense at, at, at a major school. So I'm 100% for it. I, I think if I now I think he's a tough pull. Ken Niamatatolo is the coach at Navy. Uh, he was essentially 
the the direct disciple of Paul Johnson who brought that offense there and and resurrected a Navy program that hadn't been relevant since Napoleon McCallum in the 80s. They they had been the doormat of the service academies for 20 years until Paul Johnson went there. Ken Niamatotolo was his disciple. He took the job when Paul Johnson went to Georgia Tech and has taken the program uh, to even further heights. But here's the thing. He's a tough pull. Niamatotolo is Mormon. And BYU offered him a blank check last year to bolt, and he wouldn't do it. Hmm. So you have to wonder if the guy's not going – if the guy's not going to coach for his church – you have to wonder if you can pull him away from the job that he has. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great and point. I, and, and listen, Nebraska's clearly up on the pecking order above BYU in general, but I doubt it's above BYU to Ken Niamata Tolo given his religious affiliation. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I think, you, I think that's a great read. Um, Ohio State beat UNLV 54-21, didn't cover the 40-and-a-half, those freaking dogs. Late, um, late backdoor cover on those big numbers, bro. Late backdoor cover on yeah. them. Particularly with, particularly when you're playing a non-conference game, in it, it, when now everybody's in conference play, because if you're Urban Meyer, man, you got your guys, your reps. JT Barrett throws five touchdowns in the first half. Get him the hell out of there. You know, if you're playing, if it's UNLV week one and you haven't played a game in nine months, you're gonna play those guys a little bit more if you know what I'm saying, right? But now that you've, you're four games into the year. You're getting your guys out of there. That's that's the danger of those big numbers late in the non-conference season, with conference play just around the corner. Because a lot of coaches are going to be like, you know, let let's save these uh, save these guys for a game that matters more. Yeah. By the way, I'm going to like throw my computer. ESPN just ruined their site. Every time you go to a, a statistics page, it loads a video. So screw you guys. I'm going to go find somebody. Hold on. Else. I'm hold on. I'm going to can I, I'm going to kneel in protest of that. Yes. Please do. Please yeah. do. It will make me feel better. Because Kneeling is magic. Everything is solved by kneeling. Apparently so. Uh, Indiana 52, Georgia Southern 17. Um, Lego 8-13 for 130 yards. I mean, whatever. They beat Georgia Southern. They did um, put a freshman tailback in there, um, who I think ran for a buck 80. But, again, it's against Georgia Southern. But now you're talking about Indiana at times with an all-freshman offensive backfield. Freshman quarterback who's already platooning with Richard Legow. Or Lego and a freshman running back. That's not normally the kind of program where you think they're recruiting at that kind of a level to do that. But Hoosiers are going to try it, I guess. Uh, let's go around the country a little bit. What about what took place at Stillwater? TCU 44, Oklahoma State 31. And TCU had OK, OK State down by 20 in the third quarter, I think. I did not see that coming. I, I was really, really impressed with what Oklahoma State had done the first three games, and now at TCU, that TCU win, that, that's it's probably the most impressive win thus far in the college football season. I agree, it's the most impressive win so far in the college football season. Uh, you're, I mean, there's no way to not be impressed with Oklahoma State. I mean, even by their standards under Mike Gundy of high-scoring blowouts against Scrubs, they were even more dominant than we are used to seeing them be, and. Gary Patterson, every once in a while, reminds us he hasn't forgotten how to coach. And he's now 9-0 and against the spread in his last nine revenge games, meaning if, he, if, you, if you beat him the year before and you play him again, he's 9-0 and now in those games. So that's a huge win for their program. Um, and 
all of a sudden now, you know, we were talking break up the Big 12 two weeks ago. Well, you have Oklahoma State lose. Oklahoma was trailing Baylor late in the third quarter. And actually, Baylor recovered an onside kick with a chance to go in for the tying score at the very end of the game there. Uh, and then you have, so, you know, was Oklahoma, is Oklahoma really that good or did they just have a real big chip on their shoulder from the way Ohio State pistol whipped in the year before? I don't know. But now you have Oklahoma State losing. Uh, Kansas State is the first team to lose a non-conference game, ranked team to Vanderbilt in 70 years. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe we might be we might be staring down the barrel unless Oklahoma is dramatically better than the rest of that league. And I don't think they are. We might be staring down the barrel of another year without a Big 12 team uh, in the Big 12 championship game because I'm sorry, in the in the college football playoff, because if, if Oklahoma, let's say they run the table in the Big 12 again. Well, you know, that means they still would have to play Oklahoma State or TCU more than likely again in the Big 12 championship game. Winning rematches is tough. You know, so if you're if, if right now, I think if you look around the country and you go through conference by conference, how many teams are certifiable playoff contenders in the Big Ten? You have four Ohio State, Michigan State, Ohio State and Wisconsin are, are playoff contenders in the Big 12. Do you have two TCU and Oklahoma? Only two. Those two. That's it right now. Probably. Why well, I. I, I the problem, Oklahoma State, State could win out. They they have the they have the Bedlam game in Stillwater. Okay, so let's say that they're they're in there still. Okay, that's three. Pac-12, Washington and USC. Is that it? Yes. Okay. SEC, Alabama, Georgia. Right now, Georgia probably so. If Auburn were to win out, that would include a win over Alabama and win in the SEC. They would be in, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's three. ACC, Clemson, and who? Well, not Florida State anymore. They're not ranked for the first no, time since 2011. Florida yeah, yeah, Florida State's 0-2. So, you know, we're already kind of down to what's that? So we got two teams in the Pac-12, four teams in the Big Ten is six, three teams in the Big 12 is nine, one team in the ACC is ten. Well, the SEC. Put, put Virginia Tech in there. They're a playoff contender, obviously. They're 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 a play. So that's so that's eleven. And then the so SEC. In the SEC, we have three. So here we are. We're only a third of the way into the year, and you and I think there's maybe there's maybe 15 teams competing for those four spots. So there you go. Heartland Flagpoles and Flags has flags of various shapes and sizes, banners, windsocks, and more of nearly every team and every sport. That's college, NFL, MLB, NBA, and hockey. If you feel like maybe you're the only Seattle Seahawks fan in your neighborhood, don't worry, they have flags for you as well. Heartland Flags has more than 100 Iowa Hawkeye items from flags to tiki totems, metal signs, luggage tags, and so much more. Let your fandom fly when you shop at Heartland Flags. Free shipping. Seriously, when you shop online, we're talking about free shipping. Your orders will ship for free from Heartland Flags. Heartlandflags.com is the website. Go check it out. Dace, he's a huge Michigan fan. He's a Detroit Lions fan. Rob Howe is a New York Mets fan. I went to their website. Heartlandflags.com has it for you. Again, free shipping on all orders online. Follow them on Twitter at Heartlandflags. And once again, visit them online at Heartlandflags.com. 
that is pretty quick math. I think you're probably right on that. Um, you talked about several teams there. Um, Georgia with a very impressive 31-3 win against Mississippi State at home. You called. That's a message sender right there. Georgia, Georgia was Georgia was on, Georgia looks to me like a team on a bit of a mission. They're, they are tired of being your perennial top five teams you you think are good when they get off the bus. Right. Looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. You, they they look like a team on a mission to me. Um, a couple of games you called in the point spreads, uh, which you won again this week. I think you had one or two more wins um, better than me. You nailed the Florida-Kentucky game. Kentucky almost won that one outright. Uh, did you see how they lost that, by the way? I did not. Oh, yes, Holy I did. Cow. Yes, I did. Even for me as a Detroit Lions fan, I thought I, I – I thought, and props to the Lions today, I mean, coming up with yet another way to show me how to lose a football game I did not previously see, so that was cool. But um, I've never seen a team just not cover a guy. I, I, I mean, at the end of a game, coming out of a timeout, just not cover a guy. And there is a great shot of a Kentucky cheerleader after Tyler Cleveland for Florida doesn't get covered and they just flob it to him to score for the winning touchdown. And this cheerleader, man, this little blonde, just throws down on her defense, man. She is just screaming at them. Can't even imagine what words were coming out of her mouth. But even after that, Kentucky got the ball. They get down into field goal range, get a holding call, um, which takes them out of field goal range. They then get a they then get a pass that kind of puts them on the periphery of field goal range. <clears throat> And then they miss a field goal at the end that would have won it. I mean, that's that was one of the most Kentucky losses you'll ever see right there. Oregon losing to Arizona State, 37-35, uh, in a road game there. Louisville bounces back 42-3 over Kent State. Washington State, 4-0, 45-7 over Nevada. I'm telling you, Friday night, I'd be very le- – I'm going to call it now. USC's going down Friday night. Is that game Short, at Washington State? That's on the Palouse. Short week. Back-to-back road games. Sam Darnold, I think, has now thrown nine interceptions this year already. Those are Tanner Lee-like numbers. USC has several guys banged up from back-to-back games against Stanford and Texas. In fact, three of their top eight guys didn't even play against Cal, didn't even make the trip. Short week. I think Washington State's going to pull that upset. Seven interceptions, but it just feels like oh, nine. I'm sorry. Yeah, my bad. That's that's all right. I mean, Tanner Lee. I, I knew it was wrong because Tanner Lee has the most interceptions in the country, and you know that I would know that. Um, and I know. I know. Listen, if there is, a, if there is, you are like a vulture circling a, a, a dead body in Lincoln, Nebraska. You know where. You know where all the carnage has been. No, no okay. question. No question. And I'm sitting there with a tub of popcorn. Um, Alabama 59 nothing over Vanderbilt. Did you see a shot of that stadium? The game was yeah. in Nashville, and it was like, I don't know, 10 to 1 Bama fans? Well, they only seat 40,000 there. And if you're a Vanderbilt fan, man, you know how much money you probably got for those tickets? Alabama fans wanting to make a weekend of it in Nashville. But if you're if you're a Vanderbilt fan, you don't need the money. Good point. Touche, Al Gore, Vanderbilt graduate. Very well played. Nice. <laughs> it's kind of like Northwestern, but fifty nine and nothing. That was an impressive beatdown. Um, Bama had to Bama had to right the ship. Um, anything else stand out at you from this week of college football? 
You know, a couple things. One that surprised me is all the ranked teams that went on the road against unranked teams, and there wasn't a single upset. There were well, – we, well, look, Oregon and Arizona State, you just mentioned that one. Um, but, you know, Michigan didn't win or didn't lose. Penn State did – I would have – even though I didn't predict any of these, just the odds are – one or right. two more of those teams would have lost, mm-hmm. and none of, and none of them did. Which, you know, we won't have too many weekends like this now the rest of the season. So this does set up some real potential Titanic battles later in the year when more of these teams start to play each other. So um, I thought that was interesting. I'll tell you what, we're a third of the way through, and I had a you know every week I put out what my Heisman ballot would be if I had to vote today. And you know, when you turn in a Heisman ballot, it's your top three picks. I had a hard time coming up with a third. Really? After, at, well, after Mason Rudolph and Oklahoma State lost, I think the top two are pretty easy. Just a matter of what order you put them in. They're, those are no doubters. At Saquon Barkley and Baker Mayfield. Who's third after that? I don't know. You're asking Neither the wrong I. guy. I, I went around the country. I could not come up with a third. I put Rashad Penny from San Diego State in there. They're a nice story. Now, they're the early leader in the clubhouse, I think, right now for the group of five spot in the New Year's Six, but they still have to win that conference. But, you know, um, I, I think I, I think it's already down to a two-man race for the Heisman Trophy, man. I, I don't – and I think I think it's space bar, space bar, space bar who's after those two guys. So I think, I think that's pretty fascinating. I think that um, the Clemson-Virginia Tech game – where you, I think that that's going to be a real test. Everybody wants to talk about the freshman quarterback for Virginia Tech, Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson, I should say. But I, I really think that's going to be a major test for Kelly Bryant because even though he played very well against Louisville, the defense that Louisville plays is nothing compared to what he will see from Bud Foster and Virginia Tech. He's he's going to see coverages. He's going to see looks. Especially because Virginia Tech, well, Stevie places he faces the Clemson defense in practice every week. Not the same defense. First of all, they play a four-three. Virginia Tech plays a three-four, and you know the reason. It just depends on your philosophy. The four-three obviously allows you to cover more gaps up front, but the three-four allows you to disguise things more with more guys off the line of scrimmage. And so he's going to see things he's not yet seen, and and that environment. Yeah, they had a not really nice environment for that Louisville game in prime time. Brother, they ain't gonna be nothing like Blacksburg at prime time. So, I think that I, I think that's another potential upset there as well. So, I, I think I think I, I'm a, I'm gonna call it right now. I think we see two top five teams lose this week. I think both Clemson loses and USC loses this hmm. week. Thursday night, Texas at Iowa State. Both teams coming off buys. Only game on the slate Thursday night. I think Texas is a four and a half point favorite. That's yep. gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. I agree. I, 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 that that line, you know, the so-called sharps tend to bet lines on Sundays when they first come out, and then Saturdays with the latest amount of information. Um, you know, like everybody wondered why the Michigan line jumped three points the last 90 minutes before kickoff well because those guys found out before the rest of us did Purdue starting tailback was out you know so uh, I think that probably had a lot to do with it but this line for Iowa State dropped one full point right away which tells you that the Sharps took a look at that line and bet on Iowa State 
Uh, I think a huge advantage at quarterback for Iowa State in the game. I, I think Jacob Parks is a lot better uh, than either Sam Ellinger or um, Shane Bouchelle. So I think that's a very dangerous game. And and if you look at if you look at um, Tom Herman's career so far as a head coach, and we saw this for two years at Houston, you know we saw them destroy. Louisville last year on a Thursday night when they were number three in the country. We saw them destroy Oklahoma in the season opener when they were preseason top five in the country. Then we saw them lose to Navy. You know what I'm saying? We saw these were the teams that they lost. We forget they finished third in their division in the America East Conference last year. So he is phenomenal in big games. And for but but, you know, his team doesn't always bring it against these kinds of opponents that they're probably better than, but they're not like way better than. So I think that's a very dangerous game for Texas on Thursday night. I do. Very dangerous. Last thing for me. Remember the um, comments uh, from Sean Eichhorst, former Nebraska athletic director, uh, and Mike Riley last week about not wanting to play Black Friday anymore. Riley doesn't like it for the kids and all this and that. You Mm -hmm. You know who plays Friday? Nebraska and Illinois play this Friday. <laughs> where's it, that? Where's that game at? Is it in Champaign? It's, it's in Cha- it's in Champaign. How many how many Friday how many Friday games is Michigan playing this year? Oh, Michigan would say they wouldn't even show up for it. They won't do it. That's right. They won't yeah. do it. Yeah. Several teams won't do it. Yet here's Nebraska playing on a Friday night. Michigan's would, only only said yes to two Friday night games. Ever and they were both in the same place for the same circumstance, 1991 and 2003. They were both against Minnesota with the Twins in the playoffs, and so the Metrodome was unavailable on a Saturday, and they had to play those games on Fridays. Other than that, there is a zero negative integer shot percent chance Michigan would do that to high school football. And if I'm Lovey Smith, by the way. I mean, I need as good a relations with high school football coaches in the state of Illinois as I can get. I'm kind of surprised he's agreed to it. But maybe Illinois thinks they need the exposure more than they need the affinity of the local high school coaches. I don't know. I mean, the, you know, in Animal House, they walk in with, uh, you know, the the undesirable guys that are rushing the fraternity. Um, yes. And they put them at the table with, what is it, Muhammad and Jugdish and those guys. <laughs> Yeah. Illinois, Illinois is at that table right now. They don't. They don't. They don't get a say no, but Nebraska can say no. I would. You think. bet Nebraska can. But they didn't, and yet they're complaining about about Black Friday. Doesn't make any sense to me. So, if they how, lose that game on Friday night to Illinois, oh my gosh, John. Yeah, dude. This week, man, I'm all clone on Thursday. I'm I'm all clone every week the rest of the year. By the way. Why? Tell me why. I'm just out of curiosity. Because I want Iowa State and their program to be improved so that when Iowa plays them and wins, they don't lose votes in the poll. And when Iowa plays Penn State close and loses, they have more more votes than they've gotten at any point in time this year. That's that's why. Yeah, I mean, you're rooting for Iowa. It's what's in Iowa's best interest. Of course. course, Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that I was I, I had Kentucky in the points. But at the end of that game, I'm do, as I was watching the fourth quarter, I'm doing the math and I'm saying, wait a minute, if, if Florida wins here, I get a twofer. Michigan will be the only team that has a non-conference win in the Big Ten over a ranked foe, and Kentucky will cover. That's a perfect scenario. Right. 
you know so you know my buddy there's a buddy who from uh, that i live here in town with in des moines he and i have been watching michigan games together for 20 years he went to the same high school i did back in, in grand rapids michigan he just graduated 10 years earlier than i did and we just met at the old denny arthur sports bar and we've been we're good friends now we've been watching michigan games together ever since he's and he hates iowa i mean he is hates it and the is reason that mark he, the reason uh, his, uh, his name's Mike. Okay. Yeah, you get copied on emails. Then here's why he hates Iowa, though. You will appreciate this, okay? He hates Iowa because he's a huge golf guy, and all of his golf buddies are Iowa fans. And he and sure. Iowa. He, so for all, and he's retired now. So that means he golfs three or four times a week. So that means he hears this for 18 holes, three or four times a week. Okay. And he just wants silence and peace on the golf course. He just can't get it because all his friends are Hawkeye fans. So he asked me after he asked me towards the end of the Michigan game Saturday as we're sitting over here in my man cave watching it. Michigan's comfortably ahead, so it's garbage time, and we're talking about the night game. So like, so who you want, who you rooting for with the Hawkeyes and the uh, uh, Nittany Lions tonight? So I'm rooting for the Hawkeyes. He's like, well, he, I, like, well, actually, what I said, I'm rooting for Michigan. <laughs> That's who I'm rooting for. Every game I root for, who is what's in Michigan's best interest? And he goes, well, who do you think that is? I think it's I, – I would like to see – obviously, Penn State's in our division. I'd like to have them get along. So I'm rooting for Iowa. He's like, yeah, I can't believe it, man, but I find myself in the same situation. <laughs> Although he goes, he goes, I, I'm half tempted just to root against him anyway, even though I know it would be better for Michigan if Penn State won. But that is the world we live in now. You have to think it like – you have to think like that. You have to, you have to get beyond, you know, your typical level of myopia because that is – with. This is not college basketball where so many of these teams and all these conferences play each other in November and December. You know, so I just mentioned Michigan's going to end up or right now has the only non-conference win over a ranked team in the entire Big Ten. Okay, and so with so many of these teams not playing each other, most of your schedule, most of your resume you're going to have for the playoff or the near six is going to come from teams in your own league. So you're right. You wanna you you need to be looking at your own self-interest. It's not just as simple as clone suck, man. You got to understand if they're gonna be your power five opponent annually, it does you guys no good for clones to suck. No good at all. Right, and I'll be cheering for Illinois quite a bit because I get a lot of and this this is a character flaw, but I get too much enjoyment out of reading the sanctimonious columns from the Tom Chattels and the Stephen M. Siffles and the, the Lee Barfnecks whenever Nebraska loses. I, I, I greatly enjoy that. So I got a lot of experience with Nebraska media from my time in sports talk radio and owning Cyclonation, and I can just tell you, they are the only, it wasn't everybody, but it was noticeable. They are the only media contingent I ever saw in a Jack Trice press box stand up when the school's fight song was played. I saw no other team do that. Are you, you, you've, you've joked about this through the years. I've, I, I've, I've, I've never known if you were serious or not. I'm serious. There were guys guys would sit on the Nebraska side of the Jack Trice press box and would stand up. You used to hear me rag on the, you know, I mean, he's a legend. He passed, I think he's passed away now. George Wine and, yes. you know, the old Iowa SID and Used to hear me kind of playfully bust his balls about all the old hangers on that he'd bring up to the old Kinnick press box, you know. Yes. But 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 like you know, my Coloss ain't standing to the Iowa fight song. You know what I'm saying? Oh okay. hell no. 
but the Nebraska press guys would stand. So, several of them would stand at the Nebraska fight song. I saw it with my own eyes. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And I don't doubt it. All right, that'll do it for this installment of the HN Podcast. For Steve, I'm John. We will talk to you Thursday night.